it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Rest Stop. It's Tuesday, May 25th, 2021. I'm Brad Restituto. This is the Rest Stop, and we broadcast from Las Vegas Tuesday and Thursday nights, 9 to 10 o'clock Pacific time. Good sports show for you tonight. We've got basketball playoffs in full effect. Uh, two games going right now, two L.A. teams, the Lakers and the Suns, game two in Phoenix. And we've got at halftime, just starting the third quarter, the Clippers, at Staples Center against the Dallas Mavericks. Dallas leads that series one game to nothing. Also on tonight's show, uh, Julio Jones, big news in the NFL, looking to be on the move as he was on Skip and Shannon's show here in the last couple days saying he's done in Atlanta. He won't be a Cowboy, but he expects his days to be numbered as a Falcon. Uh, do the Falcons pull the trigger and get rid of him with an offense that could be quite dynamic if he stays in the South with the Falcons, a team that he was drafted by. The Falcons moved up in the draft and gave up a lot of draft equity for him. He's been a top receiver for over a decade and could be really dynamic with Calvin Ridley in the new draft acquisition of tight end Kyle Pitts with Matt Ryan, new head coach Arthur Smith. So we'll show some of the sound from the phone call between Shannon Sharp and Julio Jones. And also, if we can get to it tonight, last Thursday we went over the Raiders' schedule and what we thought – that our win-losses would be, and, and also against the spread. We may try to keep it in the AFC West and go with the L.A. Chargers this week if we can get to it, but we got tons of basketball news, scores, discussion uh, from a really action-packed start of the 2021 NBA playoffs. We've got fans back in the stadium, and it was rocking at Madison Square Garden for game one between the Hawks and the Knicks, and it's been quite some time since the Knicks have made a playoff appearance, and they had a great showing game one. They fell short as Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks finished the game in one of the great games uh, of the first games of the playoffs. It started off here in 2021. Spence, jump on here. Uh, we'll go through every one if we can, Spence. There's there's all kinds of action going on since we last were on 
for the podcast on Thursday. Every team has played, and we've got game twos that have completed and starting tonight, played yesterday. Uh, some great action, Spence. Were you satisfied with I, – I think every game, except maybe a couple, except the Bucks and the Nets, aside from that, most every other game was competitive, even Sixers-Wizards. Wizards had a lead, and it came really down to the end. Uh, a phenomenal performance from Tobias Harris. So so overall, Spence, what were your thoughts of, of all the games up to this point for the playoffs so far? Yeah, no, for sure. Very entertaining. It's nice to see – some fans back in the stands. It's always going to be part of it. So it's always going to add to the excitement factor of it. But we kind of alluded to this before the show. One of my biggest takeaways from this weekend is that the scheduling has just not been where it needs to be. Games are staggered by 30 minutes and uh, you have to watch one on NBA TV. The other one's the national broadcast. I want to watch all of the games. I think all of them are interesting. I don't think there's any boring first round matchups. Brooklyn and the Celtics maybe, but at the very least, I mean, the Celtics are a storied franchise they're very popular one of the most valuable franchises in the league so i don't really understand like why they're doing this i don't remember this ever being this way even last year in the bubble games were played throughout the day and that's the way we want to consume them you can still have them on nba tv but just play them either earlier or later i I think once you get to this point where the guys have extra days of rest between games what's the issue of you know spacing it out more the Clippers and Lakers should not be playing at the same time or relatively at the same time, at least, in my opinion. Yeah, they're at the same time. It's ridiculous. I, I don't understand. you got the Lakers in the fourth quarter. It's the TNT game tonight uh, currently going on 79-75. The Suns have cut into that lead. Anthony Davis has 20 points. But in the first half for the Lakers, Dennis Schroeder was outstanding. And Andre Drummond had a double-double, and he's been a monster on the offensive glass for the Lakers but the Suns, if they could go up 2 nothing in this series, the Lakers are going to have to win four out of five to win it. And I don't know if they can do that. And the Suns are sticking around here, Spence. Um, they started off 3 nothing here in the fourth as the fourth quarter just underway in Phoenix. Lakers-Suns game two. And like you said, the Clippers going on at the same time. It's just the scheduling sucks. Uh, we're in the third quarter of a high-scoring, exciting game. Uh, you, you hate to say must win, but the Clippers can't go down – Two nothing with home court advantage to the Mavericks, and they're currently down no. eighty to seventy eight. That'd be disastrous for the Clippers. Well, two of the biggest stars in the league, Luka Doncic and Kawhi Leonard. The schedule is awful to have these two games going at the same time, and then the Clippers Mavericks on NBA TV. The, the NBA, they, there's no, I don't know. They've had the entire, you know, since the bubble to schedule this and to have this at the same time makes no sense. No, yeah, it's it's unfortunate because, like you said, we're missing out on Luka Doncic. Now, most people aren't, you know, they'll switch between them, but not everybody has NBA TV. I think that's a pretty niche channel for, like, DirecTV and all the other ones. Everybody will have access to the national game, but that, this is barely even national. I don't. It's not getting any better, obviously. This is the way they want to schedule their thing, their games in the first yeah, round, I, I guess. I, I had to launch my sports package, Spence, with Dur- uh, NBA TV, ESPN. I got rid of it at the beginning of the pandemic, and I recently inquired about getting it back or just getting one of the two big channels like NBA TV or the NFL Network, and it's way too expensive. It's going to cost me like an extra 60 bucks in my cable wow. package, and I said no way just, just for that. So I'm doing with, I've been without ESPN, NFL Network, uh, NBA TV since over a year and it sucks because it's really kind of diminished my football and my not because I used to be a diehard with the NFL Network NBA TV and it really helps sharpen my information on what's going on around the league with coaching with transactions I used to be able to spit off pretty much all the rosters and coaches 
up and down in the NFL. And I feel like I can't even do that now. I probably can't name every coach in the league now that we've had so much turnover with the Chargers, with the Falcons, you name it. I mean, there's so many, so much turnover in the NFL. And I, it's been hard to keep up without those channels. But I mean, the cable packages are outrageous, a terrible job by the NBA in scheduling. But aside from the scheduling, Spence, we left off the show last Thursday. It, it was do or die for the Grizzlies and Warriors uh, for the playing game. And I mentioned on the show that I thought the Warriors could have a letdown because it was an emotional loss. They had the game in hand and defeat was snatched from the hands of victory with a LeBron James a one-eyed three-point heave pretty much. I wouldn't say a heave, but it was at least a 31-footer from three that hit all bottom and, and put down uh, the Warriors in the Lakers-Warriors portion of the playing game. And then the Warriors had to go on, travel uh, back home to take on the Grizzlies, and the young Grizzlies took care of business. It was a back-and-forth game at times. Uh, but the Grizzlies pretty much, they, I would say, they held control for the most part. And, and they took care of business. And then Spence, uh, they, they came in, uh, I believe was it was um, Sunday night or Saturday evening uh, that the Grizzlies and Jazz played game one. Let, let me check here. Um, or am I wrong here? Wasn't it yesterday? Or no, maybe two days ago. Now I can't remember. <laughs> no, I'm missing it myself. I believe it was Sunday night. I think it was Sunday. Yeah, I think you're right. Sunday night, the Grizzlies – uh, went to Salt Lake and stole game one from the Jazz and no Donovan Mitchell. So we're kind of going off the board from where we left off Thursday. But, Spence, you're a Grizzlies fan and, and the Jazz uh, number one seed, but no Donovan Mitchell. And reports coming out, Donovan Mitchell very unhappy with uh, not playing in game one. But the Grizzlies, huge win. And a young squad that's got a lot of confidence right now is, is they've fought their way into the playoffs and stealing game one from the number one seed. And this isn't necessarily your traditional 1A matchup. Like I said, we, we've got depth from pretty much both conferences. I mean, you've got the eighth seed on the other side, the the Wizards that have been super hot and they're super talented. They lost game one on the road to Philadelphia. But these eight seeds aren't like before where it's like they have zero chance to win. It would not shock me. If the Grizzlies make this a really competitive series, Spence, and, and actually, I wouldn't be completely shocked if they upset the Jazz completely. Yeah, so there, there's a lot going on in this series. And the first one you'll notice is the three-point shooting from the top teams in the league. I don't think all of them, because actually it evens out. I think the season, the season average between all NBA teams from beyond the arc was 36.7%. And then the aggregate after game one, all the game ones, was 36%. But if you only... Uh, counter for like the top four teams they shot horribly and pretty sure the jazz in game one shot like 12 for 42 from downtown it was really really bad you won't expect them to do that again but at the same time you're not going to shoot as well from outside in the playoffs it's everything's just a little bit tighter and it seems like it's a completely different game at some points uh, you know they're so high scoring and the, uh, so many unders are hitting right now there's a few of them yeah. you know the 76ers game was about on par with what you'd expect uh, because, you know, the Wizards were first in pace this season, and I think the 76ers were 11th, but it was only a difference of like two or so possessions. It wasn't a massive difference. Uh, but look, John Morant wasn't great in the first the first time they played the Warriors in the last game of the season, and he also wasn't very good in that San Antonio game. I don't know what happened, but the guy snapped, and he has been on a tear. 
which is insane because when he played when he didn't play well in, in the San Antonio game and then uh, also that Warriors game, I thought that's kind of expected. He's 21 years old, expected to lead a franchise. It's just very rarely can players do that. And apparently that's all he needed. Now, you have to say the great thing about it was last season in Portland, they, they got their first taste of the playoffs. They didn't technically make it because they lost in the playing game. But still, I think they understood what it meant to maybe play above that. And it, they kicked it into another gear. You have to give a ton of credit, again, to Taylor Jenkins. Like I've said, all season, like going into that Spurs game, he's able to make adjustments. And when they don't play very well, they just seem to play great the next game. I'm not uh, you know, putting money on them in game two. I actually bet... The Grizzlies money line and I, the Knicks game was a pick him as my first ticket in the NBA playoffs, which would have been a great hit because I got some amazing odds on the Grizzlies in game one. What'd you get? So like plus, had, plus 320 on the Grizzlies? A little over yeah, three to the one? Payout, yeah, the payout total was eight to one when I put the two together in my parlay. So I'm oh, not really it's sure. It's heartbreaking, man, with the Knicks. <laughs> Did that game go yeah. under the total? I think it might have, right? Uh, it was under, I think, by two points. It was really close. So I guess it depends Man. on what you got it at at some point. The, book ma- the bookmakers have it on the dot because Atlanta can <laughs> score. They're they're a good scoring team, but we know traditionally with Tom Thibodeau and the Knicks, they can play pretty good defense. But, man, we'll talk more about that series. But, Spence, let's try to go from the beginning here, and we won't spend a ton of time on each one. But like we said, we left off the show Thursday with the Grizzlies traveling uh, to the Bay to take on the Golden State Warriors. The Grizzlies advanced. and then. It got started on Saturday. The playoffs started off in the morning time on Saturday. It had Bucks heat. That game went to overtime in game one. The Bucks held on 109-107. And then the Mavs got game one at Staples Center, 113-103. Luka Doncic had a triple-double in game one, 31 points, 10 rebounds, 11 assists. And the Nets handled the Celtics after a really dreadful first half from Brooklyn. They pulled away and won the game 104-93. And their defense just seemed to step up here. Spence in the playoffs as game two was tonight. We'll talk about that. But the Nets got off to a 1-0 start. And then Portland on the road got off to a series lead of 1-0. Damian Lillard went off for 34 points, 13 assists, and they beat the Nuggets 123-109 in the first set of games to start off uh, since our last podcast on Thursday. Spence, a couple upsets here with the Mavs and and Blazers in in the game ones. Were you surprised by any of that? And, And did you enjoy the basketball overall? I mean, we saw two upsets uh, two home teams lost in, in exciting basketball. Yeah, uh, no, it was really entertaining, obviously. The one thing that was crazy to me about this Clippers series, uh, I work at, you know, pregame and straight out of Vegas now. And right when the season, the series started, the producer was trying to get me to guess what the the series lines were. And I thought, oh, you know, it's probably like plus 250 to the Clippers. They were like, they were, I mean, minus 250. They think they were like 400 favorites to start. And now it's been obviously adjusted a lot. I don't really understand why the Clippers were viewed as this elite team, just like going to bulldoze over Dallas. They have apparently nobody to stop Luka Doncic. They won't let Kawhi Leonard do it, maybe to give him the freedom offensively. And he's he's having a really good night from what I saw in the stat sheet most recently. I think he had like 28 at halftime probably has over 30 at this point. So I guess their philosophy there is working. Paul George is also playing well. But again, they have not played a lot together. And Dallas, for the most part, you can say, you know, they lack a lot of talent. They've had very few injuries outside of Porzingis most of the season. Jalen Brunson, Tim Hardaway Jr., Maxi Kleba. Uh, I'm trying to think down there. Uh, they got J.J. Redick late and he's hurt right now. But at least the core of their team knows exactly who they are. And they have a lot of team chemistry. And that is obviously both 
well for them in game one. And then it's just Luca. This guy's just insane. You can't ignore it. It's like he's going to be in the playoffs probably his entire career forever. And he's going to be playing very well in it. He's going to be one of the best players in the world one day. If he isn't already like a top 10 player, um, the other game, the Portland game, that didn't surprise me so much. That's going to be a very close series. The thing that is key in this Portland series, and they did it in game one, but Portland was 29th in defensive efficiency. They were the second worst team this year. But what they did so well in game one is they took an aspect away from Jokic's game, right? We know he's an amazing facilitator. He only had one assist in that game. He didn't have that in the regular season ever. The only time it was against Toronto and again against Portland, but he only played half a game. That was the last game of the season where he had two assists. So that was his worst performance of the season from that. He still had a bunch of points. But again, if they're if he's not running the offense, the rest of his team just doesn't flow. And he was Jokic was able to was able to do that in game two. And clearly, uh, you know, it went really well for them. Portland should be really worried right now. You split the series, you know, so far, which is amazing, but they shot almost 50% in both of their first two games, and yet they still lost one. I think any team in the in the playoffs right now, if they shot 50% from three-point range, it's a guaranteed victory for them. That's rare error. So they should not be feeling so great right now if I was Portland. Yeah, I mean, Dame Lillard was insane in the first half of game two yesterday. Eight threes, a couple from almost half court. Spence, we, we, we know how amazing Dame can be. You had, you had an MVP ticket on him at the beginning of the year. This guy is a perennial MVP year in and year out. It's unfortunate being in Portland and not one of those top-tier teams that's in the finals every year that he does not get more love, but he is certainly and should be an MVP candidate year in and year out. The guy is outstanding, and uh, – Look, this is still a series with, with the Nuggets. The Nuggets were to tie it up here, but Portland still has home court. Uh, they're going to need some of the guys with experience like Jokic. Um, uh, I'm sorry, Jurkic. Um, Look, they, they got Norman Powell in trade over from Toronto. They're going to need him to contribute, C.J. McCollum, to be healthy. So, And they're going to have to play defense. I, I don't know what it is. Uh, Jokic is going to get his. Michael Porter is going to go off a little bit. But you've got to keep some of these other guys in check, Spence. And they've got to step it up defensively. We know they're, I think, they're the highest scoring first quarter team in the entire league. We know they can score, but they've got to get stops. You mentioned it, shooting at such a high percentage and losing last night's game can't sit well with them. Uh, briefly on the Nets Celtics, Spence, the Celtics, the Celtics just don't have enough firepower to, to hang with, with Brooklyn. Uh, Brooklyn played an awful first half in game one, and they still won pretty comfortably at the end, and they just got too much t- firepower from top to bottom. So I, I think this will probably be a sweep for the Brooklyn Nets. I, I doubt the Celtics get a game. Would you agree with that? Yeah. There's also another problem with the Celtics, right? You know, part of it is, oh, they just don't have the personnel to do it. Uh-huh. But I still think they're pretty talented. It's the effort for them. They look like they're legitimately like out of it and done. The only thing that they're doing is showing up to be professional and just kind of take it. <laughs> they just, Marcus Smart, there was one play in particular that I saw and he had a decent game. He was five of eight from three point range, but where Kevin Durant had stolen something and he kind of just like ran along with him and let Kevin Durant dunk it. He definitely wasn't running at full speed. And that just kind of carries amongst the whole team. Evan Fournier kind of got mad at Kevin Durant, in one of these plays and got in his face, but they've, the locker room is lost there. I think Brad Stevens is definitely like a top candidate to get fired. I don't think he will this off season, but he could be an early season firing if they don't start off firing in all 
you know, on all cylinders where they're expected to probably be a top three seed next year, in my opinion, or at least that should be like what should be, you know, like that's what people should think that they should do. That's what the front office would do if I, if I was them, if I saw how talented, uh, you know, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are compared to the rest of the roster too, they should be one of the best teams in the East. And yet this is what they're putting out in the court. It's not very pretty. Spence, we talked about scheduling earlier. It's just kind of hitting me. How screwed over is the East Coast getting here? You've got two phenomenal games here in the NBA playoffs, and it's past midnight Eastern time. And you've got the Clippers Mavericks not even in the fourth quarter, and you've got uh, an amazing game with under six minutes left uh, in Phoenix. This is just – it's bull crap. It's, and the East Coast is getting completely screwed over. you got two fantastic games, the NBA playoffs, after we almost lost sports – for half a year due to COVID, fans just not getting back in the games. This sucks for, for East Coast NBA fans and NBA fans in general. This double scheduling, it's brutal. It's super brutal. And this this is a great game. I'm trying to check it intermediately uh, just, just to see what happens. It looks like it's like tied up right now in L.A. Uh, th- these are the games that you want to watch. So I'm glad I don't live in the East Coast. I would not want to be up at midnight. Oh. <laughs> I would just... You got work in the morning, you know, like people have things to do. I don't think the NBA understands that. It's like they forgot how to run a league just because they had to take a year off. Yeah, it's really brutal. It's unfortunate for basketball fans. And I know basketball doesn't get necessarily the love globally and nationally as one of the – I mean, but wouldn't you consider it – I guess college football, do you think college football overall trumps NBA as a whole? Clearly not with us, but as a whole, is, is college football second to NFL and then NBA third and college basketball fourth? Is that yeah, how you think it would go in the United just, States? Just numbers-wise, actually, if you look at the playing game between the Lakers and Warriors, I think it was had like 5.6 million viewers, and last year's NBA had 7.8 million so Colin Cowherd had mentioned this on his show like a few days ago, I think. That mm-hmm. Lakers-Warriors game, which was considered one of the most popular, would have been the 10th most popular regular season college football game, which is pretty impressive. But, I mean, uh, thinking about it that way, that's pretty rough. I mean, college football seems to dominate viewership at least. Yeah, so college football would be two. And then would you say NBA three? Yeah, for sure, yeah. And then you would go you know, MLB, hockey, and so on and so forth. Right, right. Uh, Although UFC, I don't know what their numbers are. It's kind of hard to Yeah, tell. it's unfortunate because, I mean, I know there's a lot of basketball players out there, man. We're, we're all here in town, Spence, playing and all over the place. There's guys of all ages playing. You can play basketball up until your 60s, 70s. Football, it's not yeah. like you can get out and get pickup games. So I know there's tons of basketball fans out there, but so many get turned off and they don't want – I talk to so many older guys and – uh, middle-aged because they don't watch the pro game for whatever reason there's so much talent there spence um and, and college football still trumps and if you go name recognition wise i mean coming up this this coming year in college football i could think of maybe three or four guys off the top of my head that'll be big name discussions and a couple of those guys are like sophomores so i mean the name recognition in college football isn't like it is from top to bottom in NBA, clearly. But, um, you know, I think these playoffs are outstanding from a competitive standpoint, from an entertainment standpoint. So we'll keep an eye on tonight's games between the two L.A. teams in game two coming down. Uh, Let's continue to go back to the playoffs, Spence, on Sunday. 
The Sixers, they beat the Wizards 125-118. A good effort by the Wizards, but the Sixers hung on. I was hard on this guy. One of my few swings and misses from early on. Tobias Harris, not a fan, but he went off in game one for 37 points and really carried the Sixers to a win. Uh, the Suns, game two going on tonight, Suns and Lakers. Game one, the Suns dominated and they won 99-90. And we talked about this one, Spence, from the Garden. The Hawks and a game winner from Trey Young. They beat the Knicks 107-105. And, and Spence, you got some highlights from that game one. Just in a ruckus atmosphere at the Garden. The Knicks in the playoffs for the first time in forever. An amazing game between the Hawks and the Knicks. Yeah, so Trey Young was getting the FU trade chance. It was really getting to him. And he actually, two possessions before the last one, uh, it was he threw it out. He was trying to get it to Clint Capella. And then he obviously had the lucky pass or lucky situation where Bogdanovich caught it in the corner for a three-pointer to avoid another turnover. So had it not been for this last play, which I'll show you in just a second, we may have been talking about a different kind of conversation. Although he seemed to score or assist every single point for Atlanta in the fourth quarter. It was pretty impressive. But take a look. Here's the last play. The game now defensively on the point. Let's see how they play this. Here is Young. Finds his spot. Young on the floater. Puts it in. Trey Young with a miraculous shot. Wow, what an incredible play by Trey Young. Defense broke down. Nobody there to help. Pretty insane because Frank Nielakina barely played in that game. They brought him in just to play defense, and he got absolutely smoked on that play, man. He left him in the dust. That was that was insane. Yeah, Spence. Trey Young, man, he can get to his spot. He had a couple floaters in that fourth quarter. That's his shot. He works so hard on his game. He's a fantastic player. And, man – for him to just be able to kind of do what he wants from that position. I know he's been kind of inconsistent in the regular season, but definitely seems to relish the moment here in the playoffs and step up. I think it's going to be a great series. You talked about the Bogdanovich uh, corner three. That was incredible. He had some huge threes in that game. They're clearly more talented top to, to bottom, the, the Atlanta Hawks, but the, the grittiness uh, of the Knicks is going to keep them in this series. I, I think if they go down two, two nothing though, to the Hawks, like we talked about, especially as the road team to win four out of five from the Knicks is going to be quite the daunting task. But an amazing game one in the Garden. Bogdanovich, Trey Young, uh, the Knicks fought hard with Julius Randle uh, not playing his best game. Um, really an amazing game one. Be excited to see game two. And Spence, we talked about your Grizzlies off to a one game to nothing lead over the Jazz. And Donovan Mitchell, uh, as the reports are he is not happy with the Jazz, that he was ready to go in game one. What do you think about him getting sat out and him coming pretty much coming out and saying he wanted to play and he should have played and he's not happy about it? I get it. It's the playoffs. But here's the reality of the situation, right? They're paid to be your medical staff. If they don't think you're ready, I don't think they're going to leave you out because they think it's sin- like sinister or like, I-, I don't know. I mean, what what does he think? They don't have the, their his best interest in mind. So I think he's just being a young, naive kid. And like he should definitely trust the staff that's on his team that cares for all of his teammates and is trying to keep him in the playoffs, not just against the first round against a team that's probably going to win in five or, you know, you know, probably six or five games. It's about who you play in the next round. I don't know who they're slated to play, but still, it's like, come on, you got to think at least for two seconds. It's just one game of your playoff career. And apparently you weren't ready, even though you felt like it just like, Keep that in mind, you know? Yeah, Spence, and uh, to get everyone caught up on the games tonight, 
Um, it's it, it's a good one. Uh, it, it's it's a good one in Phoenix. Uh, it's Talking Stick Arena in Phoenix, and the Lakers are on the road game too, looking to tie up the series. And uh, with under three minutes left, 93-92 Lakers. Uh, a nice little run here by the Suns in the third quarter. And at Staples Center, the Clippers are in a lot of trouble, Spence. Down 101-92. Looks like there's about eight seconds left in the third quarter. But to finish up the games and getting caught up to where we are tonight uh, with the NBA playoffs, last night, Monday night, uh, only two games on slate. The Bucks they destroyed the Miami Heat 132-98 to take a commanding 2-0 series lead in the Heat. Were the ones to upset the Bucks in the bubble last year, but it looks like the Bucks have added the right pieces, kind of learned from last year. And uh, do, you, do you think this one? Do you think the Heat get a game here, Spence? I know Game One went to overtime, but a, a huge victory tonight for the Bucks. Do the Heat get back on track, or are, are we due for a sweep or a gentleman sweep, four games to one? What are your thoughts if the Heat can get back in this series? The Heat just never came into the season with the right mindset. It does feel like a sweep at this point. Like, that may have just drained all of it. Now, you know, it's home game, so it's going to be a little different. But, I mean, to go into the season where Jimmy Butler says we're going to go straight back to the finals, To they had a lot of issues. It seemed like a big discipline thing. I mean, the discipline teams didn't seem to have that many COVID problems, and they had a whole bunch. Now, it's hard to speculate on that kind of thing, but it just feels like their attitude and like, oh, no one can beat us. We'll just do this again. It's so hard to go back to the NBA Finals. It's like impossible. Some teams have never made it to the Finals, obviously. So to just think that it's going to be that easy for them, I, I don't know. And obviously the Bucks are a lot hungrier than they are too. There's so many factors in the series that lean away from them. And they rely so much on shooting. It's, it's finally going to catch up to them. And I'm kind of happy. I don't really like the Heat and the way that they've conducted themselves this season. Spence and we talked about Nuggets Blazers the Nuggets tied the series at one last night at home they won 128 109 uh the MVP Nikola Jokic was uh amazing again for Denver he had 38 points eight rebounds five assists one steal uh Michael Porter added 18 points Aaron Gordon had 13 Campazzo had 12 for Denver Millsap 15 off the bench um they, they were just solid and, and a nice win for them and Portland's got to play some defense to get back in the series, and that leads us to uh, catch us up for tonight. And uh, in the NBA, the game game one on TNT had uh, the Nets really smash the Celtics 130-108. to 108. Kevin Durant had 26 points and uh, easy victory as uh, pretty much for the fourth quarter, uh, the Nets got to have a break and rest up as they took a 2-0 series lead. It looks like the Lakers uh, may hold on here with a nice little run here towards the end. We've got under two minutes left. They've got an eight-point lead, 192. Uh, so it looks like the Lakers are going to even up the series. The Suns, looks like they had an opportunity as they were outscoring the Lakers in the fourth quarter. They actually had a one-point lead here in the last four minutes, but the Lakers probably should hold on. We'll double-check that down the stretch. Spence, and then let's talk a little bit about tomorrow night, Wednesday night's NBA playoff action, game two in Philadelphia. The Wizards and Sixers, it looks like the Sixers will be an eight-point favorite, game two. From the Garden, Hawks-Knicks, short line there, uh, Knicks minus two. Game one's over-under total is 230.5. Game two at the Garden between Hawks-Knicks, 212.5. And And then game two in Utah, Grizzlies looking to take a 2-0 lead. Another big line, Utah being 8.5-point favorite. Donovan Mitchell probably will play the over-under there, 218. 
Spence, let's go through these three real quick. Uh, I'd like to say the Wizards can steal game two. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb. They're, they have a really hard time stopping Joel Embiid. And if he doesn't get in foul trouble, they cannot stop them. But I'm going to say the Wizards – I'm going to go with the uptick. Wizards steal game two with an amazing performance from Beal and Westbrook. Uh, so I'll take the plus eight and maybe a little bit on the money line. Probably a little biased because I've been touting the Wizards here for a month. Uh, what do you think about Wizards Sixers game two? Yeah, this is tough. And I think the 76ers just need to be really careful. They kind of found the sweet spot because I think when a pace went above a certain number, the Wizards were like undefeated or 11 1, something ridiculous. So the faster you play, the worse it's going to be. The pace in game one between the two of them, I think, was 104 possessions for the Wizards and like 103 for the 76ers, something like that. So it was right on the season average for the 76ers and like two under for the Wizards. Not that it's like hard to control the actual number, but uh, I think they'll be fine. I think they're going to take game two. I I do not think this is going to be a sweep for any reason. I think, you know, the Wizards would just have their game where they get the crowd into it or something like that. I don't think it's going to happen in Philly, though. They just they seem to have lost their momentum for whatever reason. It was a close game, though, so anything can happen, obviously, and we'll have to see. But I I don't think it's going to happen in game two. I, but the, the spread seems a little large. I don't think it's going to be like a blowout for any reason. Spence, game two at the Garden. Hawks, Knicks, you start this one off. Who do you like in game two? Uh, Knicks minus two. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get burned again probably. But I, I like the Knicks. Look, they just they, – they play gritty enough. And I can't imagine Julius Randle plays that bad two games in a row. It's just like rare to see that. Uh, so – if he just didn't play bad, they probably win by 10 points. I think he'll have a bounce back game. He took ownership after game one, which you have to appreciate. He didn't blame it on any outside factors. He said, I just, you know, I simply wasn't good enough. He, he's had a few bad games coming from long rest. And probably because Tom Thibodeau plays him so much, he's like almost always warm during the season. He'll have that kind of attitude going into game two. Uh, I think it'll probably be another low scoring affair. It'll probably be a lot more tighter. I'll take the Knicks minus two. They'll probably be able to cover that spread pretty easy, I think. What do you want to see from Derrick Rose from the Knicks? I mean, he's he, he's a big key off that bench. I mean, they don't really stick with Alfred Payton that long. Derrick Rose has got to be the guy at the point guard position to give them between 15 and 20 a game to really kind of drive the lane and get others open shots. What do you need from Rose? And then, and then from the sh- shooters, Alec Burks, of course, had a huge game one. Who else needs to step up and knock down some threes for the Knicks? Yeah, but with Derrick Rose, like the real key issue here is like he had five turnovers in that first game and they were pretty bad. He lost the handles on one of them. And I think the other ones were just straight passes to the Atlanta Hawks. So I think he played fine. I mean, he was actually pretty electric at moments in the game, but he's got to be able to play under control. I think he's getting a lot more minutes than he's used to because it was kind of sporadically, you know, they're trying to get even minutes between Alfred Payton and quickly and him like going into it. And then Frank Nielakina at some points too during the regular season. But obviously Tim, Tom Thibodeau wants the ball in his hands quite a bit. So as long as he can maintain that responsibility, he'll be fine. Quickly was actually pretty darn good in game one as well. Alec Burks, I don't know if they can expect much better shooting from the outside amongst their guys. They were A lot of them were pretty decent in the regular season. But, uh, I mean, yeah, they, they got what they got out of them. It's about everyone else, kind of that team performance. R.J. Barrett didn't play very well either shooting wise. I know he had that really nice dunk, but really nice dunks don't win you basketball games, unfortunately. Jose V from uh, straight bet sports checking in. He likes the Knicks in game two. 
Uh, Jose, man, what did you think about the fans back at the Garden? I thought it was amazing. Uh, you could feel the electricity through the television. Spike Lee, Tracy Morgan, all the New York fans were going off. I really wish the Knicks would have got that game one in front uh, of the home fans. But Trey Young, to see kind of – he's not the villain, but of course to Knicks fans he is, to kind of see that dynamic play out. And him hit the game winner was pretty cool. But I'd like to see the Knicks get through this series and have some more games at the Garden for the playoffs. It's just going to be tough. I mean, uh, we just talked about Derrick Rose – you know, a key, key guy, but who else is going to hit big? They need somebody to hit big shots. I don't, because if you got Bogdanovich, if you've got Trey Young going off for three, and these guys are knocking down three-point shots, and you don't have uh, Julius Randle, I mean, you, what are you going to expect? Julius Randle to hit four or five threes a game? We need somebody else from the Knicks to knock down some three-point shots to really get them some wins because I just think there's too much talent in Atlanta. Look, the Knicks weren't even expected to make the playoffs at the beginning of the year. I just don't know who I can count on consistently. Alec Burks, maybe. Who else can knock down the three-point shot? I mean, Obi Toppin hit one, but he's rarely on the court from what I can see. You talked about Quigley Spence. He's going to have to hit some shots. But uh, we know that this Knicks team – has not got by on name recognition. They're gritty, they grind, they play defense, and they just find ways to win. And it, it may not be pretty, um, but but we know what they're capable of doing. And But they really need to win game two at home, Spence. Uh, yeah, no, it's a necessity. They, they can't go there. I, I don't think their shooting splits will be as good as it is at home in a way, just because legitimately how electric the, cl- the crowd is, especially Alec Burks. I mean, he's been decent throughout the season. I know he had some injuries as well, but – those kinds of games don't normally happen like in a bubble. I don't, I mean, I don't mean to say that ironically because last year was in a bubble and we kind of saw that from TJ Warren. Some guys are the opposite where the loud gym really gets them going. Uh, I mean, the Hawks, obviously they are more talented. If you go from top to bottom, it's just littered, but they're also not disciplined uh, defensively. Although you can say Nate McMillan has definitely just completely changed the way they play basketball. If they had stuck the way they were this entire season with their old coach, I mean, they wouldn't even be in the playoffs. It's crazy to think that how much one coach can have an influence, but you only you typically see that for the younger teams in the league. Like I talked about earlier, Taylor Jenkins, you're getting that same kind of idea in Atlanta. Spence, to finish off tomorrow's slate of games, we talked about your Grizzlies and Jazz. Donovan Mitchell will be back in the lineup. Are you willing to sprinkle a little on the money line Grizzlies game too? I, I know it's early in the series, but man, if the Grizz can go all out here in game two and steal one more and have a commanding lead, two road game victories, what Spence, what needs to happen from the Jazz's perspective to get a win in game two? What do you need to see specifically from that starting lineup? Of course, we talked about Dylan Brooks on defense has been amazing. Can he single-handedly contain Donovan Mitchell? This is going to be his first game in over a month in the playoffs, so you can't necessarily expect him to come out right away and go for 40 after not playing that long. He should probably get his, but what do you need to see specifically from the Jazz to come out of tomorrow night with a 2 nothing lead against the Jazz? Well, shooting greater than 20-something percent from three-point range will probably be one of their top goals. Uh, you know, Donovan Mitchell, like the Grizzlies have to hope that he's just overly hyped and he kind of forces himself into the offense. Uh, also, Jordan Clarkson, you know, he did one six man of the year. He only he only shot 42 percent during the regular season. So when they depend on him more, that doesn't always work out for them and clearly didn't at that moment. But 
Dylan Brooks obviously won't be able to guard Jordan Clarkson primarily now. So you got to expect him to have a much better game. Bogey was like on fire. If he carries that into the, you know, game two situation on top of Donovan Mitchell being back with Mike Conley being guarded by John Moran, who's just not that talent defensively. Then you start to see that at avalanches. I just think they need to play a little more poise. They were a little flat coming out. And a lot of that can come from extra rest leading out into, I mean, the Grizzlies, you know, are coming hot from, like three really important games. So they were ready to go in game one. I think the Utah Jazz just have to recognize, all right, it's time to get serious. And I, I believe they will in game two. Uh, the line is pretty interesting, actually, because the line for game one was minus eight. And you would think like, oh, they think it's just going to kind of be like game one. Well, no, there actually was an adjustment. It was technically it's like minus six. And then Donovan Mitchell, you'd imagine, is about a two-point difference when it comes to the spread so Vegas is looking pretty closely at Memphis here and they believe that game one wasn't necessarily a fluke but you know Utah will be able to balance back that desperation factor will probably count a lot too for game two can Valanchunas uh keep Rudy Gobert at bay on the boards I mean what do you think about that matchup Valanchunas and Gobert and how important is it to the Grizzlies success yeah I mean the key to getting to uh, beating the Jazz is putting him in foul trouble because Rudy Gobert truly is just a menace at the rim. John Moran had a few of those just crazy athletic plays, but Rudy Gobert dominated the offensive glass, especially in the first quarter. When Jonas went out and Rudy stayed in, man, it was pretty ugly. Uh, so if they can keep the pressure on him, and I think Jonas is the kind of center to be able to do that. <laughs> I was just thinking back to one of the plays in, in game one where Jonas had a hook turnaround and they didn't call it in the shooting motion. But I mean, if he can kind of dig into him, a lot of those fouls they'll call because, you know, the playoffs is a little tighter. They're more willing to kind of give those fouls out than they would, you know, during regular circumstances. It always depends on the crew. But I, I'm not sure if any other center other than maybe like Anthony Davis would be able to push the ball that much on him and force him to be engaged simply as a, a center versus looking around the court and maybe protecting the rim from the guards looking to, you know, take a slash at it. Spence, those are Wednesday's games. When we get back on the podcast on Thursday, you'll have two more games going simultaneously. It'll be game three from Staples Center, Suns, Lakers, and then from Portland, Nuggets, Blazers, game three, and then the early game on TNT on Thursday, Bucks versus Heat. Early line out from that one, Milwaukee, a one-point road favorite. But Spence, uh, we'll transition to football, but if you miss any part of the rest stop, make sure you subscribe and like the YouTube channel, Brad the Believer. And then uh, if you can check the audio version of any of the shows on any of your podcasting platforms, Landry Football Conference called the Rest Stop will be underneath there. And then we broadcast from my Facebook channel, Twitter. And then make sure you like, subscribe, and download Twitch because we go live on twitch.tv slash Chris Landry Football on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And as you can see, the graphic here, the Rest Stop Podcast at gmail.com. Any questions, ideas, thoughts, go ahead and email the show right there. Spence will transition to the NFL and some of the big news. Julio Jones, the all-pro wide receiver, Pro Bowl receiver from Atlanta. Um, he answered a live phone call on live TV from Shannon Sharp. Do you got some audio from that, Spence? Let's take a listen. Hmm. You watching Julio? I really hope he answers here. Julio, have the guts to pick up the phone. <laughs> What's happening? Yeah. All right. Julio. Hold on, hold on. Let me put you on the Can you hear me? I got you. This is your favorite uncle. What's going on, bro? Man, nothing much. Try to go meet up with my brother. What's happening with you? Man, look. You want to go to the Cowboys, Julio? 
or you want to stay in Atlanta? Oh, man, no, I'm out of there, man. You He's out, out. He's out of there. Told you. Are you going to... Ideally, where would you like to go? Um, right now, I'm just... See, I want to win. Okay. Yeah. We don't go to Dallas. If you go to... You ain't winning in Dallas, Julio. Uh, I, you already, I, man, listen, come on, man. You already know I know. Okay. <laughs> can you remind him no, we're on television Ask right him why we wore the Dallas... Listen, listen. You know how people is, man, with all that going right. on with the, the picture? Yeah. yeah. And all that stuff like that. Okay. Man, I ain't never been on that. You know what I'm saying? Okay. That's good enough. Yeah. Julio, I'll talk to you later. Thanks for calling me back. We on air, but I appreciate you calling me, dog. You know I know my nephew was going to pick up. Oh, yeah. Nah, nah. Yeah. I, ain't, I, ain't going, I ain't going to Dallas, man. I never thought about going to Dallas. Okay. I appreciate that, bro. Enjoy the rest of your day. Now he might not yeah. have any choice. <laughs> I told you my nephew was huh? going to pick up. I've been trying to tell you. Ben, so so what, he's not going to Dallas. He wants out of Atlanta. So what's up with wearing the Cowboys sweatshirt? I mean, this is is this a team uh, he was cheering for growing up? I mean, I don't I don't get it. Why the Dallas Cowboys sweatshirt? Yeah, it's insane because the next day the odds on Julio going to Dallas went up slightly. They're back down to uh, twelve to one. It was like nine to one the day after or the day that that dropped. I don't know why. Maybe it just took time for the lines to adjust, but. I don't know. I mean, I think these guys kind of understand the whole landscape of the trade deadline and free agency. They like to tease around. I'm guessing it's just one of those. It's just random, but he's probably just making fun of the situation or he clearly didn't know he was on air either. So maybe he wanted to feel cool or say something cool in front of uh, Shannon Sharp, who he thought he was having a private phone call conversation with. He didn't, he didn't know it's he was those- on air? Is this what you're telling me? He doesn't know that. I don't think does. so. No. I mean, he knows he does it, but maybe he just didn't realize what time it was. His answer sure didn't seem like he was on TV. It's hard to say, but that's not the impression that I got. That was a cold call. That was not a setup interview. Obviously, he's putting right. the speaker to the microphone. That's not something producers would plan for. And you know, it, it worked end, out. It worked out. It worked out. He picked up. Uh, they got some good sound that was. Uh, across the landscape of NFL news. Spence, give me two teams that should be on the phone doing whatever they can to bring Julio Jones into the fold. Two teams. Well, uh, the number one team that should be doing, I think they're number two or tied for number two, uh, statistically or actually odds-wise, is the Colts. I mean, they have enough cap space to take him on. And, you know, obviously you don't need to have uh, even money like in the NBA to make trades happen. they would send someone back and they know, I know they want a first round pick, but if you're the Colts, uh, you have, you're going for it, right? Like you trade for Carson Wentz with the belief that you can make a deep postseason run. And what better way to do that than have like T Y Hilton and Julio Jones to give yourself the best chance, you know, available. Plus they have a, a pretty good defense. I know the Patriots are the odds on favorites because they still have a lot of cap space, like over 15 million. They could just straight up take him without having to give anything back along you know, with draft picks, they always seem to have stockpiled. Uh, but I think the Colts should be the number one team desperate to get him on their roster. Spence, my number one team is the Green Bay Packers. And I don't know how they do it cap wise, but I think if you've got to throw a running back into the mix, a second round draft pick, because we know Atlanta could use possibly a running back, do what you can to kind of appease Aaron Rodgers. And this would be the biggest move in the Aaron Rodgers era that the Packers would make acquiring 
a top flight wide receiver. I think this would be an amazing move for the Green Bay Packers, but they've historically never done anything like this. Uh, so do you have one more team in mind, Spence, that you would say uh, should be trying to make a move for, for the Atlanta Falcons? I love your, uh, your Colts selection. I think that's a really solid pick right there. Yeah, well, what the Raiders should do is trade for Julio Jones. I don't have a wide receiver number one, and they desperately need one. You should send Kenyon Drake, one of the worst free agency signings I've ever seen in my life, a bunch of wasted cap space. But if they sign him with the idea that he's they're gonna, you know, use him to pull money somewhere and like get him away from the market and use him as a trade asset, then Mike Mayak will like will look like a genius and I'll, you know, I'll get a sweatshirt of him if he's able to trade Kenyon Drake to Atlanta to get rid of his mistake and also fix a big problem that he left in over in free agency. They don't need a first round pick because they don't know how to use them. It's almost a perfect case scenario. The only problem is that they have a dingle bat as a general manager who has no idea what he's doing and it probably won't happen. But the Raiders absolutely should be like top five or top three desperate teams who need Julio Jones for next season. Spence, uh, we'll stick in the NFL, but let's quickly go over the final in game two. The Lakers get a road victory and Anthony Davis led the way with 34 points, got to the free throw line. 21 times the Lakers got their 31 total only uh well it's pretty even 30 30 times the line for the Suns so very even there the Lakers get the win a big three late from LeBron again 109 102 to even the series at one game apiece Lake uh, the Clippers in a dogfight at Staples but they're they're chomping into that lead it's now only a five-point lead with under five minutes left Dallas Clippers this is going to be a great finish uh we'll see if we have it while we're still on the air we only got about 10 11 minutes left uh, and we'll see if we can run through the schedule of the L.A. Chargers in the AFC West. We'll try to do that, Spence, in about 10 minutes here. Uh, we'll go over the games and the totals. Last on Thursday, we went over the Raiders' uh, schedule. I had them at 9 and 8, Spence. And what did you have them at? Uh, seven uh, I had them winning seven games, yeah. Seven and nine. Seven and right? ten. Or seven and ten, that's right, yeah, because the extra game. Seven and ten. All right, so uh, we'll, we'll hit the Chargers here. And the uh, Chargers week one, let's see who they got here. They are at Washington to take on the Washington football team. Traveling East game one, that's going to be a tough game, but they're a road favorite of one and a half. Uh, the Westgate Superbook has them listed at in the early lines. Spence, who do you like week one? Chargers on the road against Washington football team. Yeah, it's not the easiest team to open up your season, but not the worst at either. So this is one of those kind of – even matchups where both teams are looking to move forward from what they did last season. I, I like Herbert. I mean, and I think they've made some decent offseason moves. I think they start the season off with a really solid victory to give them confidence moving forward in the hopes of, you know, meeting this nine-win expectation. Well, Spence, I'm taking a look here. This is going to be interesting. I I'm going to go Washington football team week one. I, I think FedEx Field's a tough place to win. Riverboat run. They're going to have another uh, a solid defense again this year. I think it's going to be really tough on the road week one. I think Washington gets the win. I'll start off game two uh, for the uh, for the, the L.A. Chargers. It looks like they'll be at home against the Dallas Cowboys. And I, I actually I, I like the Chargers at home to beat Dallas. Uh, they'll be a one, one and a half point favorite there. What are your thoughts, Chargers at home against Dallas week two? Yeah, this feels like it's going to be one of those really high-scoring affairs where, well, the you know Dallas's defense has no talent at all, and the Chargers will be able to move up and down on them. But I think, yeah, I actually think Dallas is poised to make a few big moves this year. I think Dak, a fully healthy Dak Prescott, they may get off to a pretty hot start, moving into some of their more prime time games. 
I say they go one and one. So I, I, we technically agree, but we flip-flop on the first two games. I'll take the Cowboys in week two. Okay, week three, they're going to travel to Arrowhead to take on the Chiefs. They're going to be seven-and-a-half-point dogs, at least the early line. I think the Chiefs get the home win there. Although we've talked about these AFC West divisional games, Spence, they're always really uh, back and forth, but I think the Chiefs will get the win in week three. They're really tough, but the Chargers, for some reason, just don't play their best performances against the Chiefs. I don't think they're going to be able to do that early in the season. Uh, it's just really hard to do that, and I think the Chiefs are going to be looking to play pretty angry. I don't know how that momentum will go further in the season, how motivated they'll be, but they'll be fresh in their minds still at this point in the season for me to want to win those early division games, to maybe go for the first seed. Uh, I will take the Chiefs. I might even take the seven and a half here in that game too. Yeah, flip-flopping from the beginning of the season, road home, road home. Uh, week four will be at home at SoFi Stadium against the Las Vegas Raiders. I believe I talked about it last week when we went over the Vegas schedule. I think these teams split, so I'm going to give the Chargers the victory at uh, at home against the Raiders in their first divisional matchup. But I'll take the Vegas Raiders plus the four if that line sticks, the opening number there. Yeah, I, I, well, I said this too during our Raiders thing. I think the Raiders do lose this game. Uh, so the Chargers, a pretty decent start to the season given their circumstances, two and two. Uh, they have to be pretty happy about that, you know, as long as they actually perform that way. Spence, week five, they'll be at home for a back to back homestand. Cleveland Browns come to SoFi. Uh, they'll be a one and a half point dog, the early line. I think they hold home field again, but which should be an exciting game. But I think they get the win here, a big statement game for Justin Herbert. And I think they beat Cleveland at SoFi Stadium. Yeah, the Browns just don't seem to be sold. And when this is a high-scoring game, I don't think the Browns are – they have like a really bad record when uh, Baker Mayfield attempts a certain number of passes. And this kind of fits the bill for one of those games where he's going to have to pass the ball a lot. I'll agree with you here. I think the Chargers get a, a pretty big win in a close game against the Browns. Right before the bye in week six, Spence, they will travel to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. They'll be a five and a half point dog, the early line. I think Baltimore gets a win at home after the two home games are looking forward to the bye traveling East coast. I'll take Baltimore here and I'll, I'll say Baltimore cover, covers the spread as well. Yeah, this is just too tough. This is a game where I don't think the chargers are ready for that kind of prime time. They're more ready for the close victories, not the ones where they're like not expected to win at all. They may get there, but with a young quarterback, that's just not the kind of game that you can expect him to just play up and be as good. You know, he's not Patrick Mahomes, but I think he'll be a great quarterback for years to come. But in your sophomore season, it's not going to happen. Spence, they'll go to a bye week, week seven, and then they'll come out at home against the New England Patriots, two and a half point favorites. I think the Chargers are a solid home team this year, and I think they beat New England at home and they cover the two and a half. Yeah, this this is a really tough game. This will be this game will probably be the thing that decides them from winning eight to nine games. Like that's how close I think it'll be. I'll take the Patriots here. At this point in the season, Matt Jones will likely be starting. If they can trade for Julio Jones as well, they're favorited. I just think they're gonna have so many pieces back, and they're they've already added a billion in, in free agency. We know they are the most active team. Those two tight ends that they'll have in New England, along with whatever weapons they may have afterwards, will be really good for Mac Jones. He'll stick to the game plan. We know that. Uh, this is a perfect situation for him to kind of have his big statement win in the NFL. So I think the Chargers will lose in this one. 
Uh, the Chargers will go the next week. They'll travel to Philadelphia to take on the Eagles. They'll be a road favorite, short two, uh, number of two early on. I think they beat the Eagles as the Eagles will be one of the bottom tier teams this season. So give me the Chargers there. Yeah, the uh, Eagles are a dumpster fire. I don't really know why. This is a line that I would love to take right now. I, I got to find a, a place to bet this. Only two point favor. They're only two point favorites over a team that we don't even know who will be the starting quarterback that far into the season. It's just tumultuous all around. They're probably going to win like two or three games a season. I think the Chargers will take advantage because I I really do believe this team will be fighting on the out for an outside chance at a wild card spot. Spence, next week, uh, week 10, they'll be at home so far again against the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, they'll be a three-point favorite early on. The Vikings will be coming off um, of a, a tough three-game stretch after their bye, a home game, Dallas, on the road, Baltimore, and then on the road again for the Chargers game before their home game against Green Bay. Not a good spot for the Vikings here. So I'm going to take the Chargers and the Chargers to cover that three-point spread. So the Vikings are coming off a few tough games, and this will be their game before the Packers game, you said? Exactly. So the, after the Vikings bye in week seven, they've got the bye the same week as the Chargers. They're at home versus Dallas, road versus Baltimore, road versus Chargers, and then the following week, home at Green Bay. So that's a really tough spot for the Vikings. Yeah, I think that actually points in the favor of the Vikings, though, when they'll see – They'll see that at this point in the season, they're going through their toughest stretch. They will need a win at this point. And I, I know you, you're you like me when it comes to the Vikings or the Raiders and how tough you are in them. But I think the Vikings will actually be just fine next year. I think they'll be quite successful given the core that they have. And a lot of guys will be coming off of injuries. As long as they're healthy, this is one they'll have circled on their calendar. Like, we can't afford to lose this game. I'll take the Vikings. I do think the Vikings will have a better year, a bounce back year. I think they'll go over their win total. But after seeing how this schedule lines up, I definitely think it's a bad spot. And I'm going to take the Chargers here. Uh, so that'll give the Chargers three wins in a row after their bye. They'll be at home against the Pittsburgh Steelers again, trying to ride high with four in a row. They'll be in a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I don't like Pittsburgh. You know how I feel about them. I Give me the Chargers again. Give me four in a row for the Chargers at home versus Pittsburgh in their second back-to-back home game. Yeah, this home game will be big for them. And I think they'll want to really bounce back from that Vikings loss that I predict that they'll have. And the further you go into the season, the more you want to play the uh, the Steelers. And we don't even know if Big Ben's taking care of himself. He sure didn't last season. And we don't know if he is now. I haven't heard anything on that front. And you would think kind of, given how bad he looked last year, that it may be like a big storyline that he's kind of, you know, beefing up for the season. But that has not been the case. I've not heard whispers from there. So I didn't I like the Steelers against the Raiders early in the season when you had the most energy. But at this point, Big Ben might even be out. So I'll take the Chargers early here. I think they will get the victory. Chargers go in division on the road, mile high to the Denver Broncos. I think their winning streak is, is snapped here. I think Denver has a bounce back few games this year, and I think they get this one at home against the Chargers. Uh, I'll take the Chargers. I think they're going to start gaining some momentum. Like that is the Pittsburgh victory will leap them towards a few wins at the end and really give them momentum. The Denver Broncos, we have no idea what their situation will be at this point. So give me the Chargers. Spence week 13 at Cincinnati, uh, two and a half point road favorite, the Chargers. Give me the Chargers to win on the road against the Bengals team. We'll see how healthy they are. They may not be very healthy at that point in the season, given what happened last year. Still a young team. I think the Chargers get a road win there. Yeah, the Bengals still didn't invest in an offensive line for Joe Burrow, which is just 
it should be illegal. We don't even know if he'll be healthy this part of the season. He's probably going to get killed again. And the pass attack for the Chargers is great. I'll take the Chargers here, who I think I have him on three-game winning streak at this point, which is pretty good for this team. Yeah, Chargers are at home the following week against the New York Giants. Give me the Chargers, and I'll lay the number there early on at six against the Giants. Yeah, I'm still not a massive believer. The Giants could be one of the, the more uh, surprising teams from that division, though. They had a few great not great games, but they stuck in a lot of those games next year, and they made a lot of really, really nice offseason additions. For the time being, I'll take the Giants, but this is the game, or the uh, Chargers, but I'm going to take a look at this game you know, closer to it and really start to assess. This is one of those ones that's harder to tell for me. Spence, I think the, uh, I think the Chiefs get the series sweep against the Chargers. They'll be at home uh, the following week against Kansas City. I, th- I think Kansas City gets the win, but I think the Chargers keep it close and cover six and a half. Yeah, the Chargers would love to kind of keep that momentum going. It's just not going to happen. As you get more primed for the postseason, the Chiefs will be really locked in, getting ready to make some noise, and they're not going to want to lose those division games against teams that they should be beating. I'll take the Chiefs once again. Spence, we'll see if Week 16 is as easy as it looks on paper. Traveling to Houston against the Texans. Texans looking to be one of the bottom barrel teams. Chargers, from my uh, vantage point looking to position themselves in the playoffs i think they beat houston on the road yeah it would be <laughs> pretty impressive if uh, houston's able to get two wins this season i don't think deshaun watson's gonna play and if that's the case who knows he'll be throwing the football the, Ch- the chargers will dominate this game for sure week 17 they're at home sofi stadium against denver i think they split this series as i predicted denver to win game one in mile high i think the chargers win the second game of this divisional matchup and beat denver and cover the three uh yeah so denver will probably be giving up at this point in the season but this could also be one of those dumb division games where they play really hard just to ruin their chances of making the playoffs yeah, the Chargers have – the one thing that's been consistent with them is disappointment. I'm not sure if they're ready to go over that just quite yet. I say Denver gets an upset win late in the year just to make uh, Chargers fans mad. All right, so I got uh, – I believe I've got 10 wins at this point for the Chargers, and I think in week 18, of course, with the extended season, I think they lose and split with the Raiders there. So that gives me uh, 10 and seven on the year for the Chargers as they lose week 18 to the Raiders. What do you got them at, Spence? Yeah, uh, give me a second. I'm taking a look. Yeah, I'm trying to add up mine too. Um, But for this Raiders game, I actually think the Chargers will sweep the Raiders this season. They've gotten so bad defensively, the Raiders. They'll be playing with for nothing at the end of the season. And the Raiders rarely play, uh, you know, one of those teams that, oh, gets that tough win at the end of the season just to show them. They used to when they were really, really bad and they were only getting four wins, but the Raiders probably have like six wins at this point in the season just for no reason to play. And the Chargers sweep the season series against the Raiders for the first time, I think, in a really long time, if I'm not mistaken. All right, Spence, we're wrapping it up tonight. It looks like there's under 25 seconds left at Staples Center and the Mavericks looking to hold on to a 2 nothing series commanding lead as they're up on the Clippers 123-118 with under 25 seconds left. So for Spence of the Wiz, follow him on Twitter at Spence of the Wiz. We'll be back on Thursday. I'm Brad Restituto on Twitter, on Instagram at Brad the Believer. Have a great night, everyone. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.